married people say, uh-huh. <laughs> you remember Saren Davis showed that clip maybe five years ago and was thinking about what we were going to talk about and has some themes from then that uh, we ought to visit and see them again. And the question as we get back into our series, can't touch this, is the idea of this being fit to tie, being, I'm going to say it wrong now, fit to be tied, and that is our question when it comes to this idea of marriage and this idea of perfect match and uh, what to do with that. Uh, fit to be tied can mean something positive. They just fit so well. Or it could be something very negative. Oh, I'm so upset that I'm fit to be tied. And so as we get back into our series, we are moving towards probably be three, four Weeks, we're going to be talking about these things that are too hot to touch. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is alternative lifestyles. And we're going to be talking about transitioning. And that's going to be a few weeks away. If you get the pulse, I will warn you when those sermons are coming. And uh, just so you're aware of that, sometimes I'll put a little tag that says PG-13 sermon on there. So you're aware of that. And again, a PG-13 sermon is parental guidance strongly suggested. And I see those parental guidance uh, messages actually as a gift, especially when you have family and kids and you can actually talk about those things because of what we talked about on a Sunday morning. So uh, we're, we're moving there, but as we were getting ready to get there, I thought it was important that we start at the base level and start talking about marriage and some of the things that take place that in one hand are too hot to touch, just uh, too hot to handle. They, ooh, they're just, they're, 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 this is, by the way, fake. People have said, is that real or not? No, this is fake, but uh, doesn't hurt. All right, great. So anyway, um, you, you know, just that idea. And, and some of that, when it comes to this idea of relationships in general, is that when you and I have relationships, marriage relationship, we saw that with expectations. When our expectations are different, uh, they can create all kinds of uh, rub points, sometimes where you feel you want to be fit to be tied. And we even see that in any of our relationships where we're at work, our friends, when we have different expectations, some can be right or wrong, and some expe expectations can be just different, not right or wrong. But when they're there and they're not matching up and there's no communication, uh, it, it makes things hard. And, uh, you know, we're coming still out of, uh, you know, all kinds of craziness in our world. And I don't know if our world's going to get any less crazy. So everyone's wound up just a little bit more than maybe we ought to be. And we've talked about this before. As a Christ follower, you ought to be dispersing peace wherever you go so that you're pointing to Christ, no matter how crazy this world is. So it gives you an opportunity, but still, it is crazy. And uh, so all of that in mind, it, it affects our marriages, it affects our relationships, and, and a lot of times as a pastor, and I say this uh, you know, in, in all kindness and uh, sadness, is that uh, a lot of times uh, a couple, a relationship, um, they just kind of just stuff everything, and then once one person can't take it any longer, it rises to the top and it's almost not fixable. Uh, so why I wanted to start with this subject is to just say, hey, Hey, if, if you're having hard times in your married life, especially, other relationships, yes, but your married life, don't just let it ride. 
Just don't let it rot. Um, I'm going to say this, and again, this is I. Over the years, now I'm starting to become the old pastor. You know, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, maybe close to, you know, yeah, you can tell, right? Yeah, well, we knew that, Dave, just by looking at you. Um, <coughs> excuse me, now I'm coughing and I'm going to fall over. <coughs> you, you know, over the years, I mean, from almost day one, um, just, just all the signs are there. And, and they're not dealt with. And, and folks think if they can kind of keep control of the narrative, it will stay private. But the reality is if you don't put it on the table, eventually it's going to come out and you can't control the narrative at all. So if that's one of your goals, just hold, putting it on the side, that doesn't normally happen. And uh, over the years, um, I'm just going to say, I'll say it, if, if, if you're married and you're not in the same room for weeks and weeks and weeks at nighttime, that means there's a problem. And over the last 30 years, I've had, I had couples that it's been years. And then they come to talk with me, and, and it's, it's just really hard. So I'm encouraging you, uh, not because you had just a little disagreement, and it doesn't have to be me, but just don't wait. Don't wait. And as a church, we want to come alongside you. Uh, that means we want to help refer you. Uh, we would help uh, pay for some of your uh, marriage counseling, all those kinds of things. We're in this with you. And so please, please don't let it go. Don't let it go forever. And, and, and some of it all just starts with expectations. I watch that couple, and I know when I do premarital counseling, uh, I won't marry a couple without doing uh, premarital counseling. I've done hundreds of weddings, and it's been two times where I haven't done it. One was a military couple, and I just couldn't. It was before Zoom really was functioning. I just couldn't pull it off. And then the other time, I was 30 years old, and a couple was getting married, and they were like in their 80s. And I'm like, I can't tell this 80-year-old couple anything about marriage. I mean, I'm a 30-year-old kid, you know. And, and, and I tell you, that couple needed premarital counseling. We went over their house about three months later for dinner. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So, so anyway, so all, all I'm saying is, is, is it's, out of, it's out of a heart of love and concern. Uh, that 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 you address this, and and, and don't let it go, um, and uh, you know I even watched it with my daughters uh, in their twenties, not little kids, but in their twenties. A family member went through a divorce, um, and uh, it was one of those situations they had had it, and that was it. There was no coming back from it, and uh, it, it rocked their world. They were like, "How do you know?" How do you know? I, I'm looking at this relationship that's been together for 20 years. They've been a part of our family. How do you know? I mean, so here are my 20-year-olds, semi-well-adjusted, and it shook it to their core. What's marriage about and all of those kinds of things because they couldn't believe. So not only is it you and your spouse, and if you've been blessed with children, but it has a ripple effect. And again, that's not to make you feel guilty, 
It is to make you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit, not by Dave Spencer, convicted to do something about it. Because it's hard. So, just to break the ice a little, man, this is tough stuff. That's why I really was coughing. But, uh, you know, expectations. Let's have some fun with it. Okay. This is my anniversary gift? Yep. A vacuum cleaner? Dual bag. This is the best vacuum cleaner you'll ever have, baby. Get in there. What? Not a big fan of that look. I got you. New arrival in five, four, three, two, one. What is this place? You are in the doghouse. Doghouse? Since time immemorial, when men have messed up, they get sent here by their wives or girlfriends. Fold. Yeah, but I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything. Every man in the doghouse thinks he's innocent. Isn't that right, boys? <laughs> Look, all, all I know is that I got my wife this really nice gift, and then now here. What'd you get her? This brand new dual bag vacuum cleaner, actually. Yeah, that boys? We got our vacuum cleaner. You're a fool, man. <laughs> oh, it was dual bag. <laughs> and dual bag doesn't know why he's here. <laughs> I realize it's not the most romantic gift. <laughs> expectations now throughout our series can't touch this we've set the table with a matrix to look through and it's our options matrix i'm going to make a bold statement it's not instantaneous but i absolutely believe that you can come with any situation in life and come to the scriptures come to the bible do some hard spade work, not spend five seconds and go, oh, no answer there. But I believe if you spend some time and study and look around, you can find answers for anything you are facing. If that is not the case, God has set us up for failure because he has not then equipped us to live in this world. So he's asked you to live in this world. He's asked you to point to him. He's asked you to be on the path of righteousness, not self-righteousness, but righteousness. So it's got to all be there. If not, if I really didn't believe that, then I would change jobs and go do something else where I could make more money or something. But I wouldn't be doing this because I would be setting you up for failure. The answers are there. They're not laying on the surface. Sometimes you've got to mine for them. And there's something about the journey that is beautiful, but they are there. So we've got this option matrix. You can see in your message guide, there's a, there's a sermon where I really walked through all of this. Spent four weeks setting the table for this. Um, this is what you're going to see there, the option matrix. There's things that are black and white things that are permissible, then you go to principles and you walk your way all through this. I'm going to highlight this, connectors, not correctors. 
Because a lot of us come to this going, hey, I, then I can find an answer for somebody else. No, no, these answers are for you first, then somebody else. That's even why I'm starting with marriage rather than dealing with the more out there stuff. Because it's easier for churches to talk about the out there stuff and throw stones at the outwear stuff, because that's them, that's not me. But we need to, it's me. Hypocrisy is the reason Christ-centeredness, Christ followers do not have the influence they ought to have in our society. It's not the world, it's us. That's hard, hard, hard language. But why would anyone want to follow a Christ? Why would they think it's even real and not some... Um, just legend, fairy tale kind of thing, when you and I, who claim to be Christ followers, can't really do it. Hypocrisy. So it's got to either work for life or not work for life. There's really got to be a spirit. God in three persons can't figure out what that really looks like. But I know there's one God, three persons. I say this often. I wish there was three gods that just got along, but it's not that way. But when the Spirit joins your life, it's conviction, not Dave Spencer, parent, teacher, spouse-driven guilt. It's Holy Spirit conviction. And please, please don't blame Holy, conviction, Holy Spirit conviction on me or another person. That's God speaking to you, not me. So... Take a look at that. I think the marker is there, 31 minutes or whatever. You can start and you can walk through this and we talk about that. Again, this idea, go to the Bible and then go with the Bible. That's not saying there aren't some really weird things in the scriptures. There are definitely some things in there I can't explain. But that doesn't mean there isn't the guidelines, the mandates, the directions and how to live a life that honors God in 2023 because if it doesn't work in 2023 we're all done but it works in 2023 so go to the bible and then go with the bible that means you need to dig in and figure it out but what we're talking about is relationships we're talking about um, expectations and you've basically heard me say this before most issues in relationships and marriage occur when expectations are not met when I do premarital counseling this usually comes up somewhere along the line expectations um, Cindy wants me to come home and do some project I want to come home and watch a movie with explosions in it Neither is right or wrong. Well, maybe, I don't know. Either, I'm going to say either is right or wrong. But different expectations create a conflict. So he wants me to help take down the Christmas tree for my parents. Ooh, Friday night. Really don't want to do this. Just want to put a bag over it and stick it in a closet somewhere. I'm going to add a closet to the house so we can do that next year. But anyway, but uh, and for our tree. I'm not a, not, you know. But, uh, you, you know, I had to put it on my calendar, so I was going in the right direction when I was ready to do what I needed to do. Expectations. And uh, this affects, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're married or not married, you, this comes up all the time. You expect a friend to be there for you, not to be there, not to say this. So learning this 
Also, uh, you know, in this room, there's people that have been married, never want to be married again. Uh, there's people that want to be married. There's people that feel, oh, I'm married. Uh, so wherever you're at, what we're going to talk about has some kind of bearing. Someday, you're going to have somebody in your life having situations coming up, and you can gently... After you've been present in their life, you can kind of say, hey, maybe this is expectations. Again, like I said, when a couple comes in and they're already married and they're having concerns, this is usually where I start. Where are your expectations? And um, in most cases, it's been a buildup of expectations that aren't way out there. It's just been expectation after expectation. They just build up, and the people are in two different pages, and they're fit to be tied in a negative way, not fit to be tied in a positive way. So uh, as we're thinking about this, and this may seem a little harsh, but James starts out this way. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? There is a moment where you and I react the wrong way to an expectation. So your expectation may have been right, it may have been correct, but you reacted, didn't respond. So where do you think all this comes from? Do you think this just happens? Think again. We don't like to hear this. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. A lot of my expectations, my issues, are because I want my own way. And I, being a pastor, can dress it up into a real spiritual way so it looks nice. But it's really me just being selfish. Fortunately, I married a woman that's way smarter than me, so she knows when I'm doing this. Because I married up, and she, it's very lack of selfishness comes from her. So I'm just her catalyst for spiritual growth, and she's my catalyst for spiritual growth. But anyway, you get the idea. So it comes from within yourself. I expect something to go a certain way, and it's not what I expected turning out, and it creates a gap. So what do most people do when there is an expectation gap? At least this is what I used to do, and now I just dress it up. No, I, I still kind of sometimes want to do this. Uh, I want to win. I want it to go my way. So when I want to win, that means I need to start convincing. Come up with all good reasons why it should go this way. And a lot of those reasons are very good reasons, but they're not motivated out of a pure, this is the best way to go. This is just the way I want it. Right now in the Spencer household, we're having a major issue. And this issue all comes out to this. I want that chair in the living room. I like that chair. Cindy says that chair doesn't match the reddish, maroonish sofa you see there and I want this this chair there because I can turn it when she's sitting on that tan sofa she sits there and does her devotions in the morning and I can come out there and it's not dark and I can sit there 
And so that chair has been out there for about, it's a good thing Cindy's in kid zone right now. But anyway, that chair's been out there for about uh, two and a half months. And just recently I said to her, so what are we doing with the chair? Because I, I, am, I am ready to put the chair back in my office. Uh, or we're going to, that is an office chair that I want back there, but I want a chair like that. And so we're, you know, kind of at this place. And so, you know, so now I want to convince it's not been that bad. You haven't had people coming into the house going, oh, that's chair. I can't believe it. It's so ugly. Why did you put it there? You know, it's a good idea. And so I try to convince. And then, then sometimes I try to convict her about the chair because I can go out there and sit and just look at the beautiful sight of my wife doing her devotions and the scenery out in the backyard. And, uh, you know, so I'm trying to really spiritually, you know, I can do this. And, you know, just don't look at me that way. You do it too. And, uh, and then I'm trying to control. And really it gets, it gets underhanded and really dark when I kind of try to coerce. You know, it's just like really, you know, doing everything. You know, people come in the house, they go, why do you like that chair over there? What do you think about that? You know, you know, just kind of really trying to work the angle. When there's a gap, sometimes, often, there are some of us that have to win. And then there are others, and sometimes even us who have to win, uh, will do this. Uh, we get to the place where we compromise, and compromising can be good and compromising can be bad. Sometimes you compromise and, and you're not being true to yourself. And when I say that, I get a little nervous because that can be really misused. Oh, I'm not being true to myself, you know, da, 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 da. Uh, you know, not being true to myself, Cindy. I'm really a technology person. I need an iPhone 14. I need to keep up. That's not true to myself. I mean, I don't have to do that. Mine's only a... What is mine? Mine's an 11, you know. I skipped the 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know what I mean. That, that, you do that too. So compromising that way, I'm not talking about that. But there are some things that are core to who you are that you shouldn't uh, uh, let go. And, and sometimes compromise works, but again, sometimes it isn't good. So, you know, compromise, uh, you can spend your life together, but at the end of the day, compromise can fuel a commitment to the relationship, not the person. You know, what in the world does that even mean? I've met some people that when they describe their married life together, they've been married 40, 50 years, and they basically convey, we really don't like each other, but we're committed, we want to honor God, so we've hung in there all these 40-some years. And they're more committed to relationship concept than the other person. Now, granted, on one level, okay, great. On another level, that is so sad. That is so sad. Being married for 40 or 50 years and kind of, yeah, we just, you know, hunkered down and we just made it. That, that's not what God's intent was for marriage. He actually wants you to like it a little bit. So, you know, you know again, and, and, you know, and, I, and you could say, Dave, I don't know where you're coming from. Uh, you don't know where I'm coming from and it's been hard. And we're going to look at some other passages in the weeks to come about hanging in there and about being a blessing and about ushering grace into a relationship. But I'm just talking about at the, at, the, at the bare minimum starting point. It's supposed to be great. 
It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to like it. I, I mean, I like it when it's just Cindy and me. I like when Mariah's not there and we've locked my parents down in the basement, you know, in their apartment and, and, and we ignore the knocks and the telephone calls. And I, I like that still. Now, we've only been married, you know, be 35 this summer. But, you know, maybe this is going to work. You know, it's just, it's just good. And so I like it. I want to be committed to the person, not just the concept of relationship. Compromise. Uh, also, also the idea of just stuffing it. Um, stuffing it. And that, that's, you know, folks, I've... I've when people stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, and then finally there's a tipping point where they can't take it anymore and they're done, they stuffed it way too long. Don't just stuff it. A number of folks through the years have come in. I stuffed it, I stuffed it, I stuffed it, I stuffed it, I stuffed it. Now, I, I mean, I'm done. I'm pulling the lever. And uh, so don't do that. And then ultimately, leave. It's over. I'm done. Um, some of us uh, leave physically. We're actually gone. And then some of us leave emotionally. And I've met those couples, again, married for years and years and years, that have emotionally left, them, left each other. And it's, it's just, it's, again, it's, not, it's just sad. And I've, I've got to believe there, it's possible for a pathway back. So these are some of the things we do when there's a gap. I need to move along real quickly, and we're going to talk more about these things next week. Again, I said Cindy's in kid zone with the kids, and she said don't go too long today. I know it's communion Sunday and all that goes along with that. So um, when we look at this idea, what does God say to do when there is an expectation gap? And he says, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Now, I'm going to take it a step farther and more next week where we get into this word called submission. But uh, and what that means and how that's to play out, I just lost half of you. But um, too hot to touch. Ooh, that stings. But it's in there. So what does it mean? It has to mean something. Can't be watered down. What did it mean when Paul said it? I love the way Eugene Peterson speaks about this. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show you support your support for Christ. And uh, there's this idea of being courteous. The first one is for both. And then we see it focusing in on verse 22 on wives. And later on, we're going to see that wives or husbands are supposed to love their wives. Um, in the NIV, a more standard translation, we see submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And um, if he acted like the Lord a little bit more, that would be easier. But he doesn't, so I, I get that, and we'll talk about that. But that, it's interesting, in verse 22, that word submit is actually not in the original language in that verse. It's, it's understood from verse 21. So just, you know, sometimes we think all these things about translations. There's a, there's a little more going on than we always understand. 
but again, this idea of, uh, uh, like verse 23, that husbands provide leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. And we're going to see in the weeks to come uh, this idea that, uh, you know, allowing your husband actually, someone's got to lead, allowing your husband to at least take the car out for a spin around the block, see how he does with it. So that idea of allowing him to lead. And so this is where we're going to end. I'm going to end with the bottom line. But before we get there, uh, you can think about this. Is this whole idea of submission competition. Uh, if we go back to that verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think there needs to be this tone, not keeping track. But this is almost like a contest. Make it a game. Can I be more supportive, submissive to my spouse, to my friend? Can I step in? And sometimes, um, you know, Cindy and I get in these things where we kind of drew, I say not a line in the sand, but I want it this way, she wants it this way. And then all of a sudden this switch changes and we both want to serve the other person. And now we're having an issue because, no, leave the chair there. No, take the chair. Now, now, it's, now it was, you know, what started the issue, it's flip-flopped. And so, you know, this idea of out-serving the other person uh, when I was growing up at Christmas time, uh, my parents uh, would have us draw names of all five of us out of a little hat. And every week, every week Advent, we'd light the candle, do it around Sunday dinner, and then get our name. And then for the rest of that week, we were supposed to do acts of kindness for the person we had on that piece of paper without them knowing it. It was like a contest. We didn't want to get found out. So, you know, you make your brother's bed or, or empty the dishwasher when it was their turn. All these kinds of things. We are trying to outdo each other in kindness. And to some degree, we as Christ followers ought to adopt that. That we want to do things for others out of kindness and want to, not in a prideful way guaranteed. You don't want to take this too far. But where you are actually having a submission competition. How can I pave the way? And if we had a little more time this morning, we'd get to the point down to the end of this passage where basically it's the idea that we want to help the other person live the life that God intends for them to live. So I want to set Cindy up so that someday when we do have Christ returning, and there is this moment where each one of us have to answer for the life that we've lived. That Cindy gets a well done, thy good and faithful servant. Not just because of the way she lived, because of the way I helped her live. I wanted her to get that. That was a compulsion for me with my girls. I wanted our girls to get a well done, thy good and faithful servant. Those who lived in Christian world know what those words mean. Sorry for those who are just kicking the tires. We'll explain that later on. But, but I, I want them to experience that. So that's why I'm living in such a way. I want to set them up for success. Comes back to those of you who play volleyball. I was tall volleyball, and I'd be up at the front of the, the net, and I would always say, set me up. And then a person would have to decide whether they were going to set you up so you could hammer the ball down on somebody else. Look like a star. But most people didn't want to set you up because they wanted to get the, the star move or whatever. But when it comes to our spiritual life, especially our spouses, we want to set them up for success. So, very simply, and you can read the verses through and you'll get this idea. 
not sure of what to say or do, love like God through Christ who loved you. Not sure of what to say or do, love like God through Christ who loved you. If you do that, if you do that, the gap between expectations will be minimized. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We're thankful that we were able to take time to come to your meal in holy awe. We ask that uh, there would really have been a recalibration in all of our hearts. Pray for the person that uh, hasn't uh, said yes to you, that maybe in this moment they did. Maybe someone watching online did. Uh, Lord, for those of us who do, we ask that you would help us to face 2023 with a life that points to you because we're more serious about living a life you've called us to live. And we're looking forward to enjoying that journey with you and with others. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.